You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Okay, well, thank you guys for joining me here in the studio today. I have, uh, if you're listening, Kevin Hester and Lindsay Leighton. Kevin is a good friend. And Lindsay, you are a therapist with... Uh, Life Tree Counseling Center, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, and also your friend. And also my friend. You are my friend too. That is true. <laughs> um, well, today just want to give a kind of quick uh, warning or maybe caution that uh, we're going to be talking about some topics that if you're not ready uh, to have some conversations with your young ones just quite yet, whether it's in the car or in the kitchen at home or wherever you might be listening, you may want to Uh, turn it down a little bit or uh, listen to this another time or watch this another time when you don't have young ears or eyes in the room, Mm -hmm. unless maybe you are ready to do that today. And this is a good way to start some conversation. So uh, get ready. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about how do we talk to our kids about sex and pornography. And so as just kind of want to jump right into that and um, talk a little bit about what what's a good age or maybe some of the misconceptions. And Lindsay, maybe you can speak to this about when is the right time that we should be starting to talk to our kids about this, uh, especially knowing that all kids are kind of different and wired differently. So yeah. how do we how do we do that? Yeah, that is a great question. <laughs> and I think that's a question that is asked really frequently. Um, you know, I would say about in regards to that, that it is really less about what age and more, I think a good question to kind of think about instead is who, who do you want to teach your kids about sex, um, about body parts, about all the things associated with that. And I also think that we tend to think that it's like some big one-time sit down, we're going to tell you everything right now, Yeah, <laughs> um, which is really scary, right, for, for the parent and for the kid if you do yep. it that way. And so instead of you can think about it more of um, kind of a drip, drip, drip approach of just giving them little tidbits of information that's age appropriate really pretty much throughout like their entire life while they're at home with you. Um, There's a great resource called The Birds and the Bees. They are on Instagram. They have a podcast. They have a website. And they talk a lot about this approach of how can we just gently kind of lead our kids into these conversations. And because what we can know is that if we're not talking to them about it, well, then they're getting that information somewhere else, whether that's in a cartoon, whether that's in a magazine, whether that's a friend. Um, and so we want to try to be a little bit ahead of that and giving them that information. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just realized as you're talking there, I probably want to give a little bit of context because we're going to probably be referencing some things either with our families, but we're, yeah. we're also parents. And so yeah. I, I have two daughters, 13 and 15. Kevin, what's the makeup of your family look like? So we have two boys. Uh, our oldest is 20. And our youngest is 16, so we're in a totally different season yeah. of all that. Mm-hmm. All that. And Lindsay, <laughs> yeah. how about you? What's and the I'm right of? kind of behind you guys, and my mm-hmm. youngest is nine, and then I have an 11-year-old and an almost 13-year-old. So my oldest is in seventh grade. Okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah. So let let get into the nuts and bolts, and maybe you you first, and maybe Kevin will t- talk to you about what did that look like for you guys, but what what is it that we say or what's important to say or to talk about when we do when we do that generally speaking maybe let's mm-hmm. say at, at a younger age like if yeah. we're you know our kids are getting ready to go into kindergarten into the public school and we want to maybe 
right. put some boundaries around some of the things that they know and give them some, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, correct language and guidance. So maybe they're five and six. What, is, what, what does that look like? Yes. Great question. So I would recommend that when we're talking about younger kids, like below kindergarten, to really start with um, what I would call more like body safety conversations. And the the reason for that, well, there's a couple of things. Um, one, for example, one way to do that would be to start teaching your kids the um, correct names of their body parts. So like penis and vagina. We're going to yeah. say that on this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. Penis and <laughs> vagina. <Yeah. laughs> and so instead of like tallywhacker or something yeah. like that, which I've heard before, and not to shame any parent that has done that because those words are uncomfortable I think there's a concern, well, if I tell my kid that word, well, then they're just going to go to school and they're going to be saying penis, penis, penis everywhere they go. And um, yet what we have study and research have shown is that um, if we're giving our kids a vocabulary, then we're also helping protect them against if somebody were to try to do anything inappropriate, that they're able to speak up and say what what a private part is and give it a name. And so this is also protection for, again, the body safety. How can I keep my body safe? How do I know who to trust? Um, those types of things. Um, another example to that would be appropriate and inappropriate touch. Starting to talk to our kids about what does that look like? Um, maybe even that it's okay to... Um, to say no to somebody that asks us for a hug if we're not comfortable, even a family member, um, to really just kind of give them some language around that. And there's some great books out there. Um, I can let you know some names on this podcast if you want, or I don't know, do we have show notes on this, on this podcast? Uh, Sure, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's how other podcasts do it. We can link some things to it for parents to see maybe, but there's so many great books especially for that young age of really, um, I mean, some of them would recommend as early, early as two or three yeah. to start having these conversations. Um, it, and especially as they start to more curious, be curious about their own bodies as well. Um, so just yeah. let me interrupt you real quick. Yeah. So you're saying in the, in the younger age, the focus is probably more on uh, their individual. Like if you have a, a daughter, you're talking to her about uh, what a female anatomy is, right. not necessarily what a male's anatomy is yet? I mean, how does, or is it a both and, and you're mixing it all up? I think you can do both. I do. I think a lot of the books that you would be reading to them are going to, are going to do both. Um, certainly I think you can start with your own. It's always really helpful if they have a younger brother or, you know, someone else in the family too, to kind of bring in that conversation. But even if not, it could look like girls' parts are called this and boys' parts are called this um, and kind of make that make difference. So that way if they hear that too, they're familiar with what that means. And again, kind of um, that safety piece coming into place there. If if we can give them a vocabulary, it really is actually helping to protect them from harm as well. Yeah, Kevin, I mean, do you you remember any of that? I mean, I know that was a lot longer for you. Well, I mean, (laughs) so a a disclaimer for me is – you know, I, I'm going to use a lot of we language and how we handled all this. Yeah. The fact of the matter is Kim has been really the champion of all of this yeah. stuff in our in our home. She's excellent at all this stuff. I, I really had two strikes against me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one thing, I'm, I'm naturally introverted, so I don't have a lot of words to, to give to everybody anyway. But yeah. also I'm a recovering, like, fundamental Baptist. And so saying words <laughs> like penis and vagina were just foreign. So it's like th- that's all working against me in yeah. that. But... Uh, I I do know that you know I resonate with all of what what she's saying with on the on the early end of the spectrum. It it was 
frankly, unsettling to me, but that's a good kind of uncomfortable. It was unsettling to me that we're reading a book to our boys that use those words, and I, I'm just so fearful they're going to get it right and say those words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That is a fear. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so we did you know, try to impress on them that you know, kind of terminology stuff, and so they at least get an introduction. Uh, but a lot of conversation about who to trust, uh, proper touching, inappropriate touching, all of those things. And, you know, we have kind of a history of just in our families and some brokenness around us that, that meant we, we needed that conversation to be kind of at the forefront. Yeah. And we wanted that for them. And, and so really kind of introducing that. And honestly, our approach to, to not just parenting, but just relationships in general is that, I mean, we're we're all broken. So the the heart is deceitful above all things and exceedingly wicked. So no one's exempt. And so part of that conversation to our boys is if someone who is close to us or another, like if, if Kim or I, if one of the parents, you can always come to the other of us. Yeah. Yeah. You can always come no matter how... Uh, close you are with that person or no matter if someone has indicated to you that person was safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just knowing that you can always come with those questions. And in some instances, that's going to be an inappropriate touch that you mm-hmm. really need us to help you kind of navigate through that and get you out of a dangerous situation. In other instances, it may be there's there's some kind of guilt or some other thing going on and, and maybe it's not that kind of thing, right. but let's at least have those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point if to always keep that door open of you are not in trouble if you come to us right. with these things. Like we are your safe place. Yeah. And that's really, really important. I think another thing that I remember for us was, and I think it talks about it probably in, in some of the resources that we use when our girls were young, is it really does help start establish the the family, us as parents, as the primary source for where to get the real information to know Mm -hmm. what it's really called or to have, um, to be the first resource that they want to come to when they have questions about this stuff that we're giving you the real information, whatever you hear out there, you maybe aren't going to be able to fully trust that because it's another child whose parents may have not had that conversation. They're just making it up what they think off of what they've heard second, third hand from another kid or something. Right. Right. Absolutely. I know that that was helpful for, that was another reason to say, yeah, no, we, we need to have this conversation early because we want to be the the voice of this uh, for them. And because kids are naturally curious. And so if we're not giving them that information, well, then they're going to go seek out that information. Um, And that's where the floodgates can really open in terms of what they're seeing and how they're getting that information. So, so how about, like, what does that look like over time as they get older? So let's say we have parents that are listening. It's like, well, my kids are not five or six anymore, and they're <laughs> in, let's say, the next stage. Um, you know, how, what's an encouraging word to either? How, how do you start that? Is it just the same resources go back to the same things you would talk about yeah. with a five- or six-year-old? I don't know what yeah, that's can speak a, to some Another of that. great question, Ted, yeah. <laughs> So I think a couple of things. I think I think you might. I think you might go back. I think, you know, when I recommend that this is where we start from zero to six, that doesn't mean that we stop those conversations. You know, we're continually um, talking to our kids just in different language maybe as they get older about 
good touch, bad touch, inappropriate. So really younger would probably be more good touch, bad touch. Older is probably more appropriate, inappropriate touch. So even just that little change of language right, as they yeah. get older can make a big difference. Um, really helping them build a network of people that they can talk to if they if they need to about anything that's going on. Um, but I'm also thinking that a good place to start, you know, let's say your kids and they're in their teens and you're like, okay, I've not had this conversation, which you are not alone if you're listening to this and that is you. This is definitely not a podcast of condemnation, right? Like we're going to come out here if you haven't done this the right way, because it's so hard. I mean, it's so hard just being parents in general. Right. And we don't have a a blueprint on like how to do this and how to talk to them about this. And so, um, we also just want to communicate grace upon grace upon grace, you know, that, um, in this podcast and that there's healing and hope for everybody, no matter what you've been through. But I think a good question to ask your teenager is what do you know? Yeah. What do you know? What have you seen? What words do you hear? Do you have any questions? I mean, probably. So if my kids were at this table, they would be like, Oh my God, mom talks to us so much about this (laughs) stuff, you know, which is like the lovely part of having a therapist as a mom. But um, I will ask them that when they come home. Like, is there any word you heard today that, like, you just don't understand? And right. particularly my 11-year-old fifth-grade boy, um, they're talking about all kinds of stuff at that lunch table and all kinds of words. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, that's where we're at. Well, let me give you a correct definition of that one. Right. Um, you know, they were talking about hickeys this week at the table, lunch table in fifth grade. And so, you know, mm-hmm. just yep. yeah. um, all kinds of stuff comes up. So, yeah, I don't know if that helps answer that question a little bit. But maybe starting with asking them what they know and then kind of starting to fill in the spaces. Yeah. And at what mm-hmm. point, I guess, is some of this, and I guess it depends on what resource you're maybe using. And so I'm not trying to, like, you know, put, push an answer here, uh, yeah. so to speak. But, like, at what point are we incorporating kind of God's plan for this, at, like mm-hmm. a gospel-centered perspective of – our sexuality, uh, yeah. our desires, all just how that all works as kind of God's plan for intimacy. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, is that is that something you're bringing in at that early age as well? Is, it, is that good or is that, I don't know. No, yeah, absolutely. And um, it, there are, so you have brought these books, Ted, today yeah. um, that our church recommends called, is it called The Story of Me for all of them? Uh, God's Design for God's Sex. God's Design for Sex. Yeah. yeah. God's Design for Sex. And yep. there's four books and they are all broken down into ages and they go all the way up to like 14 or 15. Yeah. Not Three to five, five to eight, eight to 11, and then 11 to 14. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so not that you have to stop the conversation at 14, but I have personally found books, I don't know about you guys as well, but to be very a helpful way to lead into these conversations, to read this with them. And these books do a great job of, from the get-go, from as early as you can, starting to talk about mommy and daddy and what it looks like to um, have intimacy in the context of marriage. And you start using these words and you just, again, that vocabulary just builds as you get older, that this is God's good design for what this looks like. And um, as we all know, right, they are not getting that message anywhere else outside yeah. of the church. And so we, we live in a very like hyper-sexualized culture. And so we have to be the ones that are um, cr- creating that picture for them to know that this is this is the beautiful design um, of how God designed sex. And, um, 
And when we when we operate outside of that, um, it just it can be really hurtful and really painful. Yeah, I would say as you enter those conversations, especially if maybe you're in the boat of I didn't start very young, mm-hmm. um, I think we need to know that if we now enter those conversations, not only is that going to be awkward for us, but the the child is going to feel that as well. They're probably going to hedge what they know. Yeah. So yeah. if you say, okay, well, let's start with what you know. You're not going to get the whole apple cart unloaded at that yeah. moment, is my guess. Yeah. In general, mm-hmm. they're going to they're gonna kind of feel out how this conversation is going to go and how free am I to speak about this. Yeah. And so just making sure that they feel, again, the safe place. This is a safe place for us to discuss all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and to the words and, and definitions and all of that stuff, uh, I remember years ago, one of our boys came home and he was a little upset with Kim because I, I was still at work. He gets home and he's like, I mean, y'all told me all this stuff, but you, you didn't tell me all the slang words. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm not sure how to keep up with all the slang words. Yeah. I don't know what I would tell you, but. <laughs> so true. It's hard to keep There's up. There's so much that, you know, that even if they have that foundation, you know, you got to think through how are they hearing that, yeah. you know, yes. from all of their peers and, and then yeah. their peers, older siblings and all of that. Right. And that's a really good point. I'm also thinking about the kids that don't ask you questions. Right. And right. And then you say, you're like, hey, let's have it. And they're like, absolutely not. This is my daughter. My daughter does not ask me any questions. Um, Her whole face turns blood red if I even like talk about these things. Right. So one of the ways I've handled that with her is I will say, again, it's kind of that drip, drip, drip approach. Like we're not sitting down and having an hour long conversation Mm -hmm. about all the things. I will say, hey, Noelle, I need you to give me five minutes, <laughs> five minutes. And I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you a little, a, few, a little bit of information or I'm going to read you something or I'm going to, um, you know, whatever it might, and it can even be things like, I'm going to talk to you about self-harm. I'm going to talk to you about drugs, I'm gonna talk, whatever it might right. be, right? Not yeah. even necessarily sex or pornography. Yeah. And I'll say, I just need you to give me five, five minutes and you don't, you don't even have to respond afterwards. But that way I know I'm like at least dripping some information to her that she's hearing maybe, right, yeah. um, yeah, that she does not ask questions and she does not respond. <laughs> and our experience has been similar. We have one that is happy to tell us anything and everything and one that is happy to not say a word. Yeah. And yeah. so you'll, yeah. you'll you'll experience that differently with, with the different And really kids. good job not outing your kid like I just did and said her name. <laughs> yeah. So really yeah. good job there. No, well, you, you don't have to know either yeah, of them for very say, long to know which one's which. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Kevin, I, I think uh, I'd be curious because I know a little bit more of your story about um, – you know, when your kids were entering into those teenage years, yeah. that you did something specific with each one mm-hmm. of your boys. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Maybe mm-hmm. the story behind that yeah. or what that even practically looked like that time? Right. Away? So um, we were late adopters in allowing our boys to have electronics, for example. And so when they started getting those electronics, we had, um, again, with the goal of we're raising men. So I'm not going to be able to protect you from everything your entire life. So I don't want to shield you in a way that when you leave this house, you have no information, no context, and something to prove. And so allowing them to live into freedom and responsibility as is appropriate, uh, we would do things like with phones, uh, not only in the beginning were the boys required to hand in their phone at night because Mm -hmm. we, we believe there's just an awful lot of opportunity at night with no one awake, no one around and all of that stuff. And so that's just, that yeah. just seems like a, a big load for them to carry. 
um, not only do we take theirs, but every parent whose child came to our house knew that we're going to collect all the phones mm. if your child is staying uh, over. They are welcome to come and get the phone and contact you anytime they want. They're mm. welcome and free to come and get it if they need to, to talk to you or reach out to you in any way. But we collect all of those because, you know, as we've kind of yeah. touched on, you're going to have not just the exposure that your child is directly involved in, but they have friends and, and neighbors and, and yeah. classmates and all these other people that are exposed to those same things. And we don't know how they're managing all of that in their own heart and their own life as well. Yeah. Well, hold on. Before you get, because I think I know where you're going. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I was actually hoping more to talk about like when they turned 13 yes. and you took them away and, the, right. and, and what, what you did there. What did that look like then? So what we... What we really instituted, and this was uh, an idea that Kim had early on, that she's like, I, I think that when they're entering that season, uh, it would be helpful to do just a guy's trip. So mm-hmm. that's just dad and and that that child. And so with Samuel, our oldest, we, we were able to do that when he turned 13. So we went away and we had laid a foundation with the story of me and this this book series um, just for some of the language and the conversation. But really, the heart of that interaction was more how we interact with the world around us as men. Mm. And so it's not really the mechanics. Now, there's, a, there's an opportunity for, okay, you've got a little more experience. You're 13. I know you're exposed to so much. So are there things that you know you are still questioning or don't, don't really know, do I have it right in my head and, and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the majority of that interaction was around how we treat others around us, how we use the strength that you are going to be gaining in mass over these next few years, uh, both physically and emotionally and all of those things. How do you use that to love those around you? Uh, how do you protect those around you? Uh, how do you honor other people around you, specifically the opposite sex. So how do you honor Mm -hmm. girls that you may be dating or interested in as a child of God, as a daughter of God, someone's daughter, someone's sister, all of those things? How do we honor those interactions really as a man? And uh, with Caleb, uh, his, his, time away got derailed with COVID. Yeah. And so he did not have that same experience because that would have been in 2020. And so Kim and I really have lamented the fact that he did not get that same experience at that same season of life. Now, um, conversations clearly ongoing with him, but uh, we we regret that that did not happen the same way with him as it did with his brother. Yeah. And so one thing I, I'm, I'm curious about, Lindsay, maybe you can talk to us, like, I, as a parent, maybe I'm fearful. If I start talking to my kids about, you know, using word penis, vagina, other <laughs> appropriate words, yeah. then now they may feel empowered, and now they're the ones at school talking about uh, mm-hmm. penis and vagina. And so uh, what, what words could we give to help um, – I guess encourage parents. Like, is it something like, hey, th- this is conversation we keep in the house, yeah, or yeah. like this is, you know, you have this with us, not with our yeah. friends. It's- I think exactly that. Yeah. Now we know that that may not happen, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's what we add to that conversation is, hey, these are conversations that we have in private with people. This is not something you need to be talking about in the lunchroom or right. um, or in class. 
And yet at the same time, it is also so normal and so natural for especially boys to do that. Right. And so I also just want to normalize that a little bit that I don't think it's something we have to as parents just be like, oh my gosh, and you know, um, maybe overreact about. It yeah. is so normal. And part of that is just the 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 impulsive boys that want to be really funny, right? And want to show people what they know. And so it's a really a lot of these conversations that like Kevin, you're having with your son right. about what does it look like to be a leader? What does it look like to um, do the right thing even when it's not the funny thing? What does it sure. look like to honor? And I love that you're having conversations about how to honor girls. Oh my gosh, I just love that so much. <laughs> I feel like we just, we need more of those conversations with um with boys um, and girls too, for sure. But but yeah, I think just some normalizing, but then always reining them in and saying, "Hey, buds, like that's not that wasn't the time or the place. Like these are questions, things we bring up at home." And so, what might be some of the helpful things? And Kevin, you might be able to speak to this too. Like as we anticipate the the conversation, the things that they might hear outside mm-hmm. of our conversations when they go to school, and the other boys are maybe trying to share what they know, or yeah. girls trying to share what they know. Uh, how do we, uh, I guess, appropriately head that off? Or is that yeah. is that also part of this conversation? Was that part of the... Mm-hmm. Really, our approach with the boys was always, we, we know this is happening. Yeah. So we, yeah. we let them know, again, that normalization of that behavior. It's like, we, we know this is going to happen. We know this is going to be part of that conversation. Yeah. Uh, and just admonishing them to be careful with how they're doling out the knowledge they've been granted. And yes. so you don't want to be the guy that's doing that to someone else's child. Yeah. Just as, you know, we we want to be the people that kind of steward your knowledge of these things. We want you to kind of honor that and let their parents do that. Now, often you're going to find that those kids may be using words that they don't even have a fundamental understanding Absolutely. of. They're just using words. And There's so, like the urban dictionary exactly, now, right? Yeah. Like exactly. all kinds of stuff. <laughs> but just kind of helping them understand you know, this this is a gift that we have a safe place here to kind of discuss all of this stuff, but let's not be the people that go out and start disseminating all that knowledge to all your buddies. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I think it really comes down to being that safe place for your kids and expecting that they are going to hear some things and maybe some words that, like you said, that you're like, I've never heard that one before. (laughs) You tell me what you think that (laughs) makes you feel. But but just leaving that door open and continually saying, hey, if you have anything comes up at school, you have any questions, like you can always come to us about it. You're not in trouble. Um, And sometimes I think it's okay to even, even say, you know, Hey, I've heard this word lately. Have you heard this in school? Um, to even kind of, like you said, hedge that mm-hmm. a little bit. I mean, I have the great privilege of because I work with teenagers. I work with adults too, but teenagers in the count my counseling office. I, I'm I'm kind of I'm learning what they're saying, and so I get to then bring that to my kids and be like, Have you ever heard this before? What's that mean? Um, but I think that's I, I love what you're also. And maybe I don't want to go off track no, of where so. you want to go, Ted. But I love what you're saying to um, Kevin about really you're talking about right, like tech safety at home, mm-hmm. and um, because right when we when our kids have a smartphone and they have the internet, I mean it's like we basically have just handed them the whole world, right? And they <laughs> can learn and they can see pretty much anything that they want to. And I think that's what scares us as parents and where we start to feel like we can't catch up, like we can't keep ahead of what they're learning and what they know, Right. especially for me because I'm not tech savvy at all. 
Um, and so that's where I think as parents, it can be helpful if we have these conversations of how can we come back to the table and feel empowered to um, where can we limit our children or where can we put some boundaries around that to help them to not have as much as much access as readily available whenever they want it. Now, does that mean that their friend can't show that to them? No. Um, but when we think about brain development, I mean, for boys, really their brains aren't fully developed until like their mid twenties now. Mm -hmm. And if we've given them the whole world, well, then we can right. absolutely expect um, that they are going to, they're going to be curious about that and um, maybe not be able to make some of the best decisions. So it's really this internal filter in our kids that we are, trying to help them create, to ask the question, what's good for me, what's not good for me, and it's okay for us to set some boundaries around that for them. Mm -hmm. Something I just thought of just thinking about, like, you know, needing to create a safe space. Like, I think of stories I've heard where, like, a parent may have said, you know, their child asked them something crazy, like, uh, I don't know, you're going to have to go talk to your whatever other parent about that. Like, yeah. I'm not ready to have that conversation. And so I'm curious, what, what, is there anything – you would say, or maybe something you've seen to encourage parents, like, man, but that's maybe a great opportunity you're passing up to, yeah. like, they're opening the door. They think this is, uh, you're a safe person, talked about this, and when it's dismissed, then it's like, oh, okay, wait, maybe totally. that's not something we talk about. Uh, right. And maybe it's happening at an awkward time. You're in the checkout aile, and they ask, they're like, okay, you know, we're not <laughs> right, going to go into that there, but, yeah, uh, I mean, it's... No, I think that's a great, I think that's a great, and I think that happens. I think we, it is a fearful thing, you know, like I think we can normalize that too. Like mm -hmm. these are hard. We fear about saying too much or planting a seed in their mind or, you know, uh, messing it up or screwing it all up or I can't be the person. Surely there's an expert out there that you can get this information from. And yet what I say to my parents often is that you are the expert on your kid because you know your kid better than, than I do as the counselor or their teachers do. And um, that God, you know, he talks about in his word that he has given us all that we need for godliness and righteousness. And so yes. it's, I think it's so common to be like, well, I don't know enough. I don't know about enough about this topic or whatever it might be. I can't speak into that. But if you can just trust um, that God has given you, um, that he will give you the words that are going to resonate with your kid. But it's also okay to say to your kid, wow, like that's a really good question. I'm going to think about that for a hot minute, and then I'm yeah. going to come back to you. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to answer all those questions right on the spot. But what is important to do is to validate their question right. and to not make them feel stupid or lesser than that they asked it, but to say, that's a really great question. I'm so glad you're asking these things. Right. Um, and that's a hard question. So I'm going to think about it for a second and come back to you. And maybe that's where you, you know, go talk to your best friend or your husband or get some insight before you answer the question. You know, one of our favorite uh, stories around that topic is, uh, so Christmas Eves are always really busy around the church. And so I, I spend the majority of the day, Christmas Eve and into the evening uh, at all of our campuses. And so uh, as a family, we would often uh, do Christmas Eve breakfast. So we would just all go to breakfast and then that was kind of our time to get it and we'd all disperse and I would see them again at the last service. Mm -hmm. uh, so Kim's with the boys uh, after I leave and one of them just decided to just 
just zing <laughs> yeah. her with one of those questions. <laughs> and so she tells people all the time, I never imagined that I would be on Christmas Eve describing what oral sex is to yeah. my child that just asked me this yeah. question as soon as his dad left. Yeah. <laughs> yes. As soon as his dad oh, he's left. off at work having a great time. <laughs> yeah. But how wonderful that he felt safe enough to ask yes. her that question. Yes. Like that's the win, right? right? Is it, it is. Like, it is. Yeah. 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 But and again, she's a champ at all yeah. that stuff. It's just one of those... Really today? Right. Sure. You're like, man, I'll save that but for that's tomorrow. Okay. But that's okay. And right. and we and the boys laugh about that now, but you know, they felt that freedom. Yeah. And I'm I'm grateful that they did. Yeah. So. Well, I, I brought that up because I definitely blew it plenty of times where I was like, ah, you gotta talk to mom about that. You should talk to mom. I mean, two daughters. I'm like, sure. ah, talk to mom about that. So I probably that's why we asked. I, sure. like, I know I, well, I felt like I messed up. And that's good. Some There's some things I have talked talk, talk to my boys about. <laughs> I don't think it's the word there. And Ryan's like, you know what? I can, I can do that one. I'm like, okay. Let me give you the – let me give that one to you. Right. Yeah. So I just want to shift the conversation a little bit as we talk about, you know, kind of some of those outside influences and kind of the onset of, you know, devices and pornography in general. And I think could you kind of paint a little bit of a picture of – the reality. I think there might be some parents listening. It's like, yeah, there's, you yes. know, kids aren't watching this stuff. That's something right. that's, you know, uh, totally. Yeah. Yes, I can. And I came today with some statistics that okay. I wanted to share. Not that I want this to be, you know, all about statistics, but I do think that they can help us um, understand the gravity mm-hmm. of the situation. And I got most of these from um, a couple good resources that, again, maybe we can put somewhere. Well, what are, can you, do you know them off? Like I do. say them right I now. Do. I'm going to say them right now. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> fight the new drug. Okay. Um, which I think right there, that tells a lot, right? Yeah. Fight the new drug because, um, and I will tell you that I am seeing in my practice that pornography is quickly becoming the new drug of this, uh, of our kids culture and generation. Mm-hmm. And they have a wealth of knowledge on their website. Also help for those that have, um, maybe started to get down that slippery slope of addiction, um, even online resources and supports for um, these families. And so I would highly recommend checking that out. There's also um, a resource called Defend Young Minds, and they have a website. They're on all the social media platforms. Um, they also have a wealth of knowledge. Um, the The book, uh, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, is, um, I believe comes from them. And it is, it, it talks, it's exactly that, starting to starting to enter into that conversation of like, what is pornography? I think that's actually a really great place to start in terms of teaching kids is to use a resource like that to help them um, understand and know what to do. And then another one is Protect Young Eyes. Um, what I love about Protect Young Eyes is that it really helps educate parents those parents that feel like I can't keep up with technology, it really breaks it down. Like even every Snapchat, Discord, mm-hmm. TikTok, it really breaks down kind of how kids are using these, what the dangers are, what the loopholes are, how they can be hiding pictures under certain apps on their phone that you would mm-hmm. ne- like the calculator, right? Like that you would never know. And so it's just really educational, but I think in a really like um, clear, not too much information way. So I just put those out there. Um, but so 84% of 14 to 18 year old males and 57% of 14 to 18 year old females have 
viewed pornography. Um, 45% of teens who consume porn did so in part to learn about sex, which is a great motivator for, again, why we want to be on the forefront of those conversations because if they're not hearing it from us, well, then of course they want to learn about it some other way. Um, At least one in three and as many as nine in ten porn videos depict sexual violence or aggression. And that's what we're finding is that what – what I think we think of as porn is is becoming much more than that now. Um, it's becoming much more aggressive, much more violent, and um, just a completely inaccurate picture of what um, sex is, especially within the context of God's design for it. Um, one in three underage teens report having seen non-consensually shared nudes of other minors, which really is child pornography. Yeah. And... Um, I don't think that a lot of our teens understand the legal implications of that as well. I don't think anyone's really talking to them mm-hmm. as much as they um, can be or should be about that. Hey, well, before you yeah. go on then, I Sorry, think like so if we don't things. understand, I was just yeah. say, <laughs> yeah. uh, unpack that a little bit, what you yeah. just said. Well, so, yeah, this comes pro- more from my experience in my clinical practice that um, it's just, it's it's an easy thing to do. It's an easy thing to hide, um, and it's an easy thing that can... So, for example, I um, counseled a girl a couple years ago who had sent a nude picture to her boyfriend at the time who then decided to send that to his friend and a couple friends and then, then got out to the entire school. And um, then the cops were at the school the next day to arrest him for that. And um, obviously my conversations with my client were uh, were different in terms of why do we share those things. And that goes back to what you're talking about, Ted, of like what does it look like for us to honor the other sex? What does it look mm. like for us to not objectify? Um, and I think um, there are some research that shows that those that those teenagers that are more engaged in pornography are more likely to have what we would call problematic sexualized behaviors. Because um, they're right, they're seeing an example of what it looks like to objectify, and um, that becomes normal. And so then they're not having that internal filter themselves of what's right, right or wrong for me to do. Um, does that kind of help yeah, unpack it a I little bit? I think that's helpful. Yeah. Uh, you know, to that point, I, I think that we, again, just experiences with people we've known or family members. I mean, people that we interact with that have had uh, some serious sin patterns in their life around sex and and porn. Mm-hmm. Kind of describing that and talking to our boys about this is this is where that can lead. And many of those people they will walk it all the way back to it kind of started because I was curious and I found this magazine in my dad's closet or whatever. Yeah. And so our boys were like, whenever any of that was kind of presented to us, because as you said, it can be anywhere. It's memes that people are sharing and on discord or online gaming Mm -hmm. and all of those avenues, uh, you're going to be hard pressed to out prepare the enemy in all of this yeah. because it's everywhere. Right, absolutely. And so uh, when they're presented with that, they're like, it was easy for us initially to be kind of dismissive mm-hmm. of that because, oh, well, it's, it's just this. It's nothing like what I've heard. And, and so 
kind of talking right. to them about the steps and how attainable and accessible all of those steps are that get you from here to there. Mm-hmm. You know, sin is that progressive. Yeah. And yeah. so it's it's going to draw you in and get you more and more comfortable with more and more. Yeah. And exactly, so yeah. uh, kind of helping them understand that is yeah. helpful. Right. Absolutely. There's a lot of, um, I won't do it justice explaining it here, but there's a lot of like just brain science around, um, around right dopamine, the pleasure chemical and how that works with addiction. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and then of course, in these underdeveloped brains, I mean, it makes so much sense. Like, of course they would want more and more and more of that because in, in the moment it feels really good. The, the pleasure chemicals are skyrocketing and, um, the response to that is more and more curiosity. And that's when it can be easier to fall into, um, you know, I guess more of a addiction form of pornography, which really would look like compulsion, feeling like they have to look at it all the time, mm-hmm. where it takes up more of their brain space, you know, 90% of their brain space uh, during the day. It's hard to focus on other things. It's hard to focus at school. Right. Um, you know, I, I would think that would look like multiple times a day daily use. Um and like you said, we as parents are up against a lot, right? Because they, the accessibility, is that the right word? <laughs> accessibility yeah. is, um, is so, so, so great. Um, and so what, what we can do as parents is lay that found foundation like you're talking about that we're always a safe person. Um, it is okay to just ask your kid, hey, have you ever seen porn? Um, just to be straight up about that, to, again, to be that safe person they can come to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, um, to try to at least eliminate or put boundaries around the accessibility that they have on it in your home, right? which is where things like, um, different routers come into place of, mm-hmm. of not be, being able to block out where they couldn't access that on at home. Bark, if you've heard of that is a great resource for, um, you guys would have more of the tech words for what are the right words for that of how you would put that on your router to... Right. I mean, they have firewalls and filters there that will go. kind of help you with some of that. Yeah. But uh, and as our, yeah, as our sure. boys will, will tell us, that nothing's foolproof. I mean, yeah. if right. we, we would hand them a device that couldn't get on the internet, uh, only had like YouTube kids, didn't have YouTube, didn't mm-hmm. have all of these things. Uh, but YouTube kids, that's not, that's not foolproof either. Right. But again... Meme generators or all these other things oh, have yeah. all of those images. Again, it's everywhere. Cartoons. And so cartoons. you have yes, that so rule thirty-four. So I didn't know rule thirty-four was a thing. Rule thirty-four is if a thing exists, there's a porn version of that on the internet. Mm. That's that, that's a thing. It's rule thirty-four. And I, and that is yeah. so true. I mean, just every yeah. avenue Anime. that you can possibly imagine, there's mm-hmm. porn of it. Mm-hmm. And so Again, helping them with not just preparing them, but now how do we help them as they age into early adulthood and beyond form accountability with not just us, but now you've got to pass that off to your peers and other people that are in your life and that you trust Mm -hmm. and who trust you. And so how do we help them then enter a new stage of being vulnerable and accountable with other people as they enter adulthood? So it sounds yeah, a little bit point. like the you know you you need to have the conversation long before the porn conversation long before you give your kid a device. Yes, you it know, would be so. recommended to start talking about pornography 
um, when they have access to the internet, um, mm. including video games. Yeah. So as young, I mean, I read somewhere, I believe it was on Protect Young Eyes, that as young as six. Yeah. So it's um, about the same time you're talking about sexuality, intimacy, yes. you're also kind of bringing in pornography into that conversation. Yeah, and that and at that age it can look like, the language around that can look like good pictures, bad pictures. Sure. Yeah. Um, as, um, as it gets older, that can, you know, that language can change a little bit, but... Yeah, and then what do you what do you do if you were to see a bad picture? Um, you you close it, you put it down, you run to me or daddy, and you tell us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're never ever 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 in trouble when you come tell us. Right. Um, yeah, and so giving them kind of a map for what that can look like. So what about some warning signs? You know, you talked about like mm-hmm. you know uh, you know sending a uh, a nude picture uh, to a boyfriend or uh, you know a, a a, a guy looking at something on a gaming site. Maybe I'm just trying to think of adolescents. Like, are there are there things that are maybe like warning signs or triggers or something where it's like, oh, maybe I need to. If I didn't have that conversation, I need to, mm-hmm. or at least I need to start asking or something. It's yeah. like, man, maybe this is beyond, uh, or you're putting yourself in a situation where you might uh, be inclined to do something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. That's really tricky because I think that um, they can, we have to really be looking and I think that they can hide it really well, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, a lot of the teenagers I work with spend a lot of time alone in their rooms, right? Right. And it's like, and it makes sense because they want their own space. They're at a developmental age where it's like, it's appropriate for them to want distance from their parents. Um, I like I like your idea. I think taking the phone away um, where it is not in their room at night is huge. I think that's a great place to start. Um, but warning signs could be something as well. Certainly, if there's any type of problematic sexualized behavior, not necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean always that means porn is a, a piece of that. Mm-hmm, yeah. But if we notice that they're just maybe hypersexualized, that they're talking about it a lot more than maybe what would seem normal. And I know that's not very helpful because what is normal? (laughs) (laughs) And it is normal, right? I think we want to say that too for these 14, 15, 16-year-old boys to be thinking about it a lot. Like that is absolutely normal. And so that does not mean, you know, that that they're viewing this or that they have an addiction by any means. But certainly if there's inappropriate touch happening in some form or Mm. fashion, we would want to really kind of explore that. If, um, I would say if there is possibility of like compulsive masturbation that might, and again, how do you know that? I don't know. That's something that they could, they could hide. But if we're starting to notice those signs or see that, um, that could be a a possible something we would want to explore, um, kind of more of these compulsive behaviors that Mm -hmm. they don't seem to have control over as much would definitely be some warning signs, um, and those yeah. might be things. Is that stuff that, like, you, you would encourage parents, like, hey, you might want to seek uh, some professional help in that? Or is it something like, hey, no, I mean, you're the first, you're the primary disciple maker. Uh, if, you yeah. know, find some resources or. Uh, yeah, no, that's a great question. I think um, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it kind of depends on the situation. If um, your kid is really open to talking to you about that and they, um, 
you guys are on the same page and they want to decrease that use too mm -hmm. and you feel like you have the resources to help them through that, that might be something that you can absolutely navigate alone. If it feels like it's just too much, um, then there's always help there. Um, a lot of therapists that um, even specialize in addiction or addiction to pornography, or there are support groups, like I mentioned, the Fight the New Drug. There are online support groups for sure. teenagers. So it can even be just um, learning about what the resources are available for them kind of in the community. Right. Um, but yeah, what I was just going to say, a couple, um, so... I'll have some conversations in my office too with some teen boys that are viewing it. And the question is like, why wouldn't I, you know, which is a legit question for mm -hmm. a teenage boy to ask. And so a lot of kind of psychoeducation around um, what can be destructive about viewing porn. Um, so, so it could be like leads people to objectify others and treat them badly. Mm -hmm. Again, kind of a conversation you're having with your boys about how do we treat people well, um, that it could become an addiction um, because of how our, our brains operate, that it can lead to problematic behavior, and that it teaches a toxic attitude about sex, right? Like, it is not a um, true depiction and certainly not one that uh, God designed of what we're viewing, and that that can really have an impact in our own relationships as well. Yeah. So those would those would be some points I would hit on with a teenager I might be meeting with about like why this is important that we're talking about this. Yeah. And I think too, like some of it as, you know, I'm just thinking back to like some identity things, like with yeah. my daughters even, just trying to instill like how loved they are and, you know, where they find their identity, uh, hopefully in, in, in Christ and all things. And mm -hmm. uh, just the how that can help shift and absolutely uh, yeah guide some of that like you said and like right. uh, honoring uh just ourselves and who we were created to be and yeah um just God's design and plan for all that mm -hmm. and I'm I'm glad you're mentioning girls too because girls struggle with this sure. as well not as you saw the percentage earlier is 80% of boys 50% of girls right. but still both of those 50 are 50% is still yeah. 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 yeah 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 um well, I'm trying to think as we get ready to wrap up here, I, I know, Lindsay, I mean, you're in the thick of this um, just with in, in the counseling, you're seeing uh, uh, a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And so just want to kind of maybe give you some final thoughts or Kevin, do you have mm -hmm. anything as you think back over this conversation or words that you would say to encourage parents either who are. Uh, you know, struggling with finding ways to talk about this or just uh, they're, they're just mm -hmm. not going to do it or. So right. both of our boys independently in, in recent days have, have told us that one of the best tools that we ever handed them and that indicated to them that it was safe to have any of these or other difficult conversations uh, as a family was uh, when they were younger when they first started just kind of having a social life that wouldn't include us. And so mm -hmm. wherever you may find yourself and, uh, and that could be you're at a friend's house or you're at a family member's house and, and you find yourself in a situation that you are uncomfortable with or that you know that this is not God honoring, not something that I want to be a part of, but you don't want to be that guy. We said, look, 
you can, and this was an idea that, that, that Kim had found somewhere and it just resonated with us. We're like, that's a great idea. Just text us an X, just the letter X. And we will immediately find an urgent reason that either we have to come get you or you have to come home. One of the two, if you're driving, you have to come home or we can come get you. And not only will we help you get out of that kind of gracefully, but we also acknowledge that, you know, we're a couple of broken sinners raising a couple of broken okay. sinners. And there may be actions on your part that got you into that situation. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to also offer you immunity and mm-hmm. we're not going to have the, the conversation about whatever that was at that moment. Yeah. That may be something we talk about later, but... We're going to allow you yeah. to get out of that situation. You can come home. You're safe. You're out of that situation. And then we can deal with any of that other stuff later. And they both said, you just telling us that that was available to us. Uh, not only was it helpful in, you know, if they find themselves in a situation, they're like, they, they know they can weigh that and figure out if they needed to use that as an out. But mm-hmm. it was just indicative to them that we were willing to have reasonable conversations about difficult topics and yeah. things that they're struggling with. And so that's a tool that, you know, we, we have used and, and we kind of recommend to other people because I think it's, it can be very handy for so many reasons. But the, the aside that we found is that it just imparted to them a knowledge that this is a safe place. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so good. We, yeah. We've employed the same thing just based on their recommendation. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's been helpful. Just to, again, it's always a reminder. Every time you're going anywhere, yeah. you just always know. It. That's so good. I like the X. I, I've started to have those conversations with my mm-hmm. kids as they go to houses, and I was trying to find some like fancy word like tomato or something, but right? I was like, I like the X a little bit better. Well, sometimes we'll change it up. Like we'll yes. just say, like, ask right. us a question like, yeah. uh, hey, where are we going oh. on vacation this summer? Oh, that's yes. good. If you text me, where are we going on vacation this summer? Right. Yes. I'll answer with something, but then shortly thereafter, that's so good. Uh, we'll yes. find a reason to get you home, get right. you out of the situation. Yes. It can be anything. And, yeah. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> well, I was just thinking when you mentioned that, that that's a good point because a lot of exposure happens too through friends showing you right. things. Um, and I, I recently read uh, something about there was some video going on on TikTok about like a cat in a blender. Have y'all heard about this? And kids were just going around and showing their friends this video, maybe it was YouTube, but of this cat. And I'm like, that is really traumatizing <laughs> for you to just watch that. And so they were talking about what we can train our kids to do is when a kid's when a kid's about to show you something, you can first ask, "What is it that you want to show me?" Right. Um, and just pause for a second before. You... Now, is that going to happen every time? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. But we can at least, you know, just um, put that out there as right. as a possibility. Um, but I really want to speak to those parents that um, maybe are listening and just feel like, "Oh my gosh, I I've done this all wrong, or I've missed the boat, or." Um, or I think my kid, you know, is addicted or whatever it may be. And one of the, one of the coolest things, um, and I'm so grateful that God made our brains this way, but our brains are kind of the fancy word for it is neuroplasticity. If I said that correctly. Um, but that basically refers to our brain's ability to change. Mm -hmm. And so even when, we have created this trench in our brain through addiction of this repeated pattern, um, which would be called like a neuropathway. God in his goodness and his grace can create other neuropathways to help us towards healing and recovery. 
And um, that is absolutely possible for every single kid, every single adult that is struggling in this way or with anything, right? Um, That God can heal our brains, that he can help us to recover. And um, what we're talking about are some of those first steps on how to do that Um, is A, that it doesn't come from this place of um, maybe punishment, but it comes from this place of, wow, I bet that this is just so hard. I bet it's so hard to navigate this hypersexualized world where you have access to anything you want and to say no when your brain is just saying yes, yes, yes. Um, So to be able to enter into that space with them and just connect with them, with your kid, um, and then um, to the parents, just to have grace for yourself, to um, get the resources and the help that you need if you feel like you're in the thick of this that you're not alone either, that we're all walking this road together. None of us have done it right. And even when we do do it all right, it may not, it may go all wrong for Mm -hmm. a period of time. And God is still over that and in control of that and can redeem that as well. Um, I think it is, you know, when you were talking about even when you safe proof your home, they still have access. Um, what I've read as well is that it is likely that by the age 13, kids will maybe have seen some type of pornographic picture or material or video. And so it is likely that your kid may see porn at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. And we can just say that and we can say, but God is bigger than that. And God um, can, again, um, help your kid to have that internal filter to make the choices that are best for them. Right. And when they can't, he can use us to help them. Yes. So be encouraged. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I hope this was encouraging for you guys. I hope it was also yeah. an encouragement to our uh, listeners because the reality is this is a big deal. It's something that our kids and uh, the future generations are definitely facing and struggling with. And so yeah. I'm grateful for your willingness to get on here and, talk about it and say things like penis and vagina on the podcast. That's right. Thank you. We'll Well, talk to you guys later. Okay. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Thanks so much for joining us today.